You are listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Abby Ajayi, the writer and showrunner of Amazon Prime's Riches. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. I think I wanted to get the audience hooked as quickly as possible. But certainly going back to sort of the importance for me of, you know, the sort of family inheritance story, the sort of battle for control, it, it's such a human story. There's so many stories in that vein, you know, going back all the way to King Lear and the kind of the struggle for power. So I knew I wasn't really inventing the world in terms of the genre space, but in putting a black family at the heart of it, which I had seen in a British context before, my goal, I think, was to make sure that I was a specific to what feels true and authentic for a British and a Londoner. And so what was important for me was that the diaspora be reflected. You know, when you have first and second generation immigrants, whereby our roots are in Nigeria, but one sibling goes to America, one sibling goes to London. And you have the sort of spread, specifically in this case, the Nigerian diaspora spreads across the continent. So it felt very real to me. It's very true to my experience and that of a lot of my friends and peers. But similarly, as TV becomes much more global and we're enjoying things, we're all watching Squid Game, you know, we're all watching Call My Agent. It felt also incredibly narratively and in character terms, very true, but also strategically good because, you know, we all have American cousins, you all have, you know, blended families. And so bringing them in also, again, I think also helped in terms of broadening that audience even more. So it felt grounded and also like a good move for the show to bring the Americans to London. I directed episode four, which is my first time directing really. And I co-wrote episode four with Chimmy Bellow, who's an emerging writer who's very talented. But yeah, I felt one in learning to produce episodes when I worked in America, worked in Shondaland. It made me really fully understand what the director does in a very real way and made me realize that I do want to do that as well. So the, I learned from some great directors working in Chandelan, whether it was Jet Wilkinson or Paris Barkley or Inzinger Stewart. There were just so many great directors. I saw how they worked and how they ran a set and how they blocked and, and stuff. So I learned from that. But I do think the opportunities to give, particularly this was a show made in the UK, to give writers their first credit was, I felt a real sense of responsibility because when I was coming up, there were so few opportunities to write on someone else's show and get those opportunities. So this is before streamers open things up a bit more in the UK. And so it was important for me to help someone get that all important chance to create and stop that career move in. And directing was, again was brilliant. I directed episode four and it was, it's a really incredible feeling from the thing you wrote and then seeing your head to then be instrumental in actually setting that vision, you know, and putting that on screen. And I had an incredible team with my DP, Dan, and my first cats, and that whole team really just sort of supported helping me achieve that. I went into law because I'm a first-generation British Nigerian and very much the immigrant sensibility of lawyer, doctor, engineer. Those are the key things. But I also, I loved legal shows. I watched so many legal shows. I was, you know, LA Law, Murder One, Ali McBeal. And so I thought, oh, this could be fun. And so I went into it from that perspective. But obviously I was interested in language and, and I was a confident public speaker. Uh, so I thought, okay, this would be great. Very quickly, the first few months at, at Oxford, and I was like, oh God, the English legal system is nothing like, you know, any law. You know, there are no frothy suits and sunshine and convertible cars. But I think the benefits of a law degree for me, actually, like when you were reading the case law where you'd read the judgments, Fundamentally, the law is about how human beings organize themselves and organize disputes and organize how to get to a place of accommodation or compromise, which is the same as drama, conflict, compromise. So I think in terms of writing characters, I learned so much from that process of like reading these judgments. I'm like, why did they do that? It was always clear to me that sometimes the judgments would end and I'd be like, that's the decision. And like, that's why you should be in fiction so you can write the endings you want as opposed to play that. So I think the legal background like a lot of people who have legal backgrounds in, in film and television, there is a rigor to it that I think is important. 
it does give you, it, it helps you think about character, in terms of fiction writing, that's how do you think about character, motivation, and why people do the things they do, and what are the consequences on a bigger societal level. And in terms of like, as a showrunner, I think it, it did give me a sense, uh, I guess a kind of clarity in terms of this is what you want to do. Yeah, planning, you know, like you plan a strategy. What's the strategy of your case? What's your strategy of the show? What do you want to achieve with this? I think it kind of helps with the kind of clarity of thought and expression. Yeah, I think credit to that, to Pete Noel, who created Murder and really set this tone. And all that, you know, I think the great thing about working on the show of that size and scale on the network is there were so many great writers on staff. So in my first year, there were writers who'd been on True Blood, there were writers who'd been on Revenge, there were writers who'd been on so many other shows. So you were learning that thing of being a magpie, stealing the best of people's processes from multiple shows, which just helps you grow as a writer. But I think the way Pete approached Thriller was just like, you can't write towards it or it becomes too obvious. So have the subversions, have the plot twists, really set out to bamboozle the audience. So then they think X is one thing and then you can flip it. So I think what I learned from that was the ways in which you have to be really hooky, hook them in and also actively try to subvert their expectations and mislead them and send them down those blind alleyways. And that, and I, I think prior to that, you sort of, I'd sort of been more organic about it, but actually, I think actually when you kind of come up with a much more structured thought of, oh, I want them to think X when it, it's Y, it just, you just, you structure things a bit more differently. And that was certainly something I borrowed from in terms of my process with riches, because I, I, it was kind of like, how do you keep them engaged? How do you keep them, you know, keep putting the rug out, rug out from under their feet so that by the end, they can they have suspicions because they can't all come from nowhere. But it's whether your suspicions add up to the thing you think they're going to add up to. I think with pros, the key appeal for me is being able to be in someone's interior life. You know, being able to really dig into the contradictory ways in which one thinks and the contradiction between what one's thinking in the moment and what one's doing, which you can do on screen as well. But there is a lag. But there's a great sort of opportunity to do that in the moment in fiction. But the other thing I love about fiction, it is... One can play with ideas much more and themes much more as opposed to, I feel like sometimes the process of making a film, the process of making a television show where there is so many steps in the development process whereby you have multiple people and it's better to the collaboration where they're really helping shape your vision. But sometimes it's more difficult when you have people who are, the desire for everything to be really clear for a television audience can have an effect of smoothing down the edges, smoothing down the complexity, smoothing down the contradictions so that it's a much more consumable TV piece. I think that there's just much less space for difficult or hard to categorize television work. But in fiction, I think you can have those works where it's not about smoothing out, taking out all the complexity or having everything be really clearly easy to consume. You can have much more complicated ideas and things playing with each other and dancing with the audience, really. And there's much more space, I think, for the audience to interpret. You can leave more space for the audience to interpret as opposed to, well, you've had to film it. You have to be very clearly defined decisions. We have to define what color she's wearing, what bed she's sleeping in, what lampshade. So I like there can be slightly more amorphous and fixed quality to fiction that I find interested. So in terms of going into the UK as a first-time showrunner, there are moments where, and also, of course, the UK and the US system are quite different, really. The showrunner model is very much the American system. While the UK historically has a much more lead writer who then hands over the script to a producer who then hands them over to the director. But I was clear that I do feel that if one has the desire to 
and the ability to be a much more big picture showrunner, I think that's to the best that benefits the show because there's a creative voice running all the way through. This isn't a movie where it's a director's medium. It is the writer's medium. So I think the writer should be across producing and also empowering the director, but there is a clear vision. But in terms of leadership, it wasn't very much about ultimately starting to say, okay, this is what it is and be confident in that. And also acknowledging when one makes mistakes, you know, because you're making a lot of decisions in a very short period of time. And, but I think it's important to give credit where it's due as well. And that was also true of being a director. It's important to give credit. So have a vision, work with those people to have the vision, listen to what they're saying, listen to their ideas. And I think making television just, it makes it crucial to have a vision, but be able to pivot. You know, if you're not making your days, what can we cut? And that's a much easier place to be when you're the creator writer, because you know what's important for the next episode. So you get the things that are crucial and keep moving. And I think leadership, particularly for women, can be a very dicey proposition because there is a lot of unconscious bias that we have to unpack. And sometimes that's internalized as well. Sometimes it's when you go before other people. But I think the confidence to know that one has earned one's place there. And, you know, it was important for me to remember, I do not have to be perfect because there is a perfectionism thing. You can and will make mistakes. And that shouldn't mean that you never get another opportunity or that you're punished for it. And if your collaborators aren't human and empathetic enough to know that we all make mistakes sometimes, that's a problem with the collaborators as well. And I mean, leadership is also about picking the right people, you know, and sometimes if you pick the wrong people, moving on from that decision as quickly as possible to rectify it. Really early on, a producer said something to me, which I thought was just the worst thing ever. And she said something along the lines of, you know, you have to understand you won't necessarily peak early. And at that point, that seemed like a horrible thing to say to a wannabe writer. But I think in retrospect, almost about 20 years into my personal career, it is a really good note because, and, and I think it's a note that's even more important now because at that point, it's like, I wanted to have my first show by the time I was this age. You know, you have these markers in your head of when the writing careers are unpredictable. You know, these aren't sort of linear. You get promoted each year. It's just that the industry is changing. So I think it's important to sort of be really aware when you start on the show endeavor. It could be a longer journey than you imagine. And the fact that it's not happening right away does, isn't necessarily indicative of failure. If you keep writing, if you're constantly learning with all the new scripts and just keep doing the work. I think particularly for a generation of whom experience feels like a weird thing because they grew up in a world where Zuckerberg was a billionaire at 20 something. They expect to be, to land on their big idea so much earlier. And so that creates a lot of anxiety and fear and sense of failure so early on when actually just living your life, keep writing, keep doing the work. It might take longer, you know, but this idea that you're obsolete by 30 if you haven't hit the thing, I think it's just a really, just a terrible trauma and burden to carry on oneself. So. It might take a minute, but it can still happen. It can always happen. I think it's the really good advice and the expectation that experience counts for nothing is just difficult with every new script over the years. If you keep working, you're going to be better and stronger as a writer. That would be my big thing is just give it time or it might take longer. And sometimes the time is annoying, but it doesn't have to be wasted time. And then I think in terms of teachers, I think a good one about teachers is just often people don't, because I feel like there's, writing, there's much talk about mentorship, seeking out mentors and stuff like that. But I think you can also learn from all your peers and you don't necessarily have to have a formalized arrangement. A lot of the people who mentored me don't know they mentored me because I was mainly stalking them online and reading everything they said and reading their tweets and thinking, oh God, that person did that. I wonder why. And then just kept watching their moves. So I think that it's important to know that you can be learning the whole time your teachers can be not necessarily connected to you but if there's a career you admire just watch it that we have more opportunity than ever before to see what people are doing i'm i'd caution against thinking you can only learn from people just like you because that's something i've seen a lot 
I think it's incredible to be able to have black women who I've learned from, who, who have been mentors for me. But equally, some of my best ideas have been learned from some of my white male peers. I think you can learn from anywhere. And that thinking expansively about where your learning comes from, whom you can be inspired by, I think it's super important. And I think one piece of advice, and I can't remember who said it, unfortunately, in terms of being a writer, you're going to have to find a different way to contextualize what success means. Because so often we're sending out work, waiting for people. You're trying to make a show, but it might never happen. Or you could work for something four years and then it ultimately never happen. So you can't be waiting for success to mean it's on screen right now because that can take years. So sometimes success just has to be, I sat down for four hours today and I wrote my pages. You know, you have to give yourself those markers of I've done what I set out to. Otherwise you're delaying a sense of accomplishment to this sort of notional future. And you don't know when that's going to come. And that can be really depressing. So I think putting in one day markers of achievement in your day, in your week, in your month, in your writing life, because everyone's writing life is different. It's not like the law where you're like, I passed the bar. We all passed the bar. Or, you know, I became an associate or I made platinum. You don't have the same benchmark. Someone you started off with could win an Oscar tomorrow. And it might take you another 20 years to like, you know, even get your first thing made. So I think some writers, emerging writers, find your own markers of success and know that your failures can be crushed in and they can happen in the years when you're having your best time as well. There is a real sort of knife edge to this career, making sure you learn from the thing. And, you know, they teach you something. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.